Hey everyone, my name is Sarah Nazali and I have a blog called The Belly Blog. I post a lot of information about Middle Eastern music, dance history, and dancers from the past. But my favorite part about blogging is interviewing dancers and musicians that I admire. In the past, I've done written or video interviews, which you can find on thebellyblog.com, but now I'm changing over to the podcast format. My first interview in this format is with Scott Wilson, who is the son of Serena Wilson and a fantastic oud player, and his wife, Lenny Cohen. Many of you may have heard of Serena Wilson, who was a fabulous dancer here in New York. She really helped to popularize and legitimize belly dance, specifically cabaret style. She owned her own studio, wrote books, had her own TV show, you name it. Unfortunately, I never got to meet her, but lucky for us, Scott is still very involved in the belly dance community, whether it's playing oud, making sure Serena's technique is still taught, or setting up the wonderful museum in her memory where I got the chance to interview him and Lenny about her life. If you live in New York or are visiting in the next week, you have to make a stop at the Serena Belly Dance Museum. It's at Showplace Design Center, Gallery 110, 40 West 25th Street. It's running through December 30th, open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday, and 8.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. And admission is free, so you really don't have an excuse not to go. I do want to say um, I apologize in advance for the sound quality. The museum is right next to a little cafe, so there's some background noise. But I hope you enjoy and keep coming back for more podcasts from the Belly Blog. So I'm Scott Wilson. Serena was my mother. And when she was around 17 or 18, my father had a Dixieland band. And he was hired with his band, and they wanted a belly dancer for one of the jobs that he did. Uh, he played the drums and the piano. It was a full Dixieland band, seven or eight pieces. So my mother said she put on some veils and danced around in a jug, and she was sort of bitten by the bug of trying to learn more about Middle Eastern dance. And back then there were all kinds of clubs on 8th Avenue, on uh, 28th Street, there was like five or six clubs, some in the village. They were usually owned by Greeks, but they had uh, Turkish musicians, uh, some of them had Arabic musicians, Greek musicians, Armenian musicians. They played the oud, the kano, and the clarinet. So my mother went there and she put together a costume and she watched some of the other dancers who didn't want her to steal their steps. <laughs> So she developed her own style. Like she, who? Who did she watch? Jemla uh, Omar, Mine, Soraya Melik, Ozel came a little later, and um, uh, Nejla Tesh. Okay, so, sorry, do you mind if I borrow this? <laughs> Let me rewind back to before you are born. Yes. Um, did your mom... Do uh, dabble in other types of dance? Well, she studied with Ruth St. Dennis when okay. she was younger. Ruth St. Dennis was elder, but she'd sit on a uh, bench and do arm arm movements and stuff like that. So okay. Serena, was it Ruth St. Dennis? Yeah, yeah, she studied modern dance. Modern dance, yes. Okay, so, and is that how she got into the whole, like, oriental... Maybe, I don't know. Well, 
living in New York, you, you can find anything in New York. And the belly dance uh, wasn't, it was popular in the ethnic clubs, but right. tourists would go to those. Okay. And uh, in 1973, three. Three. two. Is that a situation? The Life Magazine yeah. in 73. You sure? Yeah, I know the whole thing. 1973. Oh. Uh, my mother had her own belly dance studio. You like Scott 72. 72. <laughs> Serena had her own belly dance studio, and there was a very famous social life who was the daughter of Haley, Cassie Kiernan. Yeah, Cassie Kiernan. Was studying belly dancing with Serena, and uh, the media found out about that, and they were interested in where she was studying oh, wow. and why and everything. How so, cool. um, where is she pictured? There's Serena. Yeah, where's Cassie? That's Cassie Kiernan. And um, this Life magazine, 1972 February, was published all over the world in many different languages, and it really, I feel, helped put belly dancing on the map mm -hmm. as an art. Cool. That was the big beginning for it. What, um, what else did she do to kind of make it seen more as an art? She wrote a book. She wrote several books. And the first one was published by Drake Publishing, and they sent her touring all over the country to promote her book. Yeah, it's really cool. Yes. What, what, um, what did she sort of write about? Dance. What is her technique? Can you explain well, Yeah, should I introduce myself? Sure, first? yeah, absolutely. So I'm Lenny Cohen, and um, I got interested in belly dancing around 1995. I lived in Queens, and I met Layla Mary, who's a dance teacher. I started taking classes, and I had such a good time. And she used to talk so often about her teacher, Serena, and how famous she was, and how great she was, and how, like, part of the family she was. And I knew that one day I would get to meet her, and I was very excited because she was so famous. Uh, and then I, as I danced with Layla, I became better and better, and she allowed me to start opening her shows for her. So when I did my first live music show, I met Scott Wilson, who was Serena's son, and he was also Billy Dance Royalty. Um, I had a, a CD of his, and I had him sign it for me. And then, um, before you knew it, I was dating him and I married him, and that is how I became Serena's daughter-in-law. So, I learned the Serena technique through Layla. I didn't study with Serena directly, but through Layla. So, the Serena technique involves nine basic body positions, and also an emphasis on good posture, and beautiful arm movements, and very clean isolations. So, often you can tell a Serena dancer because she's got beautiful arms, she's got graceful hands, almost balletic hands, and she's always aware of her posture and what her arms are doing and the alignment of her body. Not all belly dancers pay attention to all those things all at once, but in the Serena technique, you do. And she came up with her own uh, nine basic body positions for the foundation of her technique of the dance. So okay. she was the first, really, to write a book on how to do the dance and the first to have an organized uh, system of okay. A way to teach it. Oh, yes. A way to break everything down into small components. Right. To make some of these movements that seem very challenging. If you've ever tried it, if you ever tried to do a, a um, 
undulation. An undulation, right? A forward undulation or reverse undulation, or do your, your hips and figure eights. Belly dancers make it look very really easy, but if you're not used to isolating that body part, it's really challenging to do a head slide or a rib cage isolation. But she knew how to break it down into different parts to help you then put the, the parts together and make the movement look smooth, and then to take all those, um, those different pieces and put them together into choreographies that look natural on a woman's body. Um, I read online that she had a TV show. Is that true? Yes. Uh, Luron Studios, and I forgot the sponsor, it might have been Haley also, sponsored these uh, like a 20-minute uh, uh, show. It's mixed commercials and it comes up 30 minutes. Was it like a weekly thing? Um, they just take the um, pilot for the whole thing. Okay. And then it was just shown late years later on uh, the internet. Every time there was a slow news day, though, Serena was often on TV, and I played a lot of with her. Usually it's like a little 10 minute segment about yeah. belly dancing, who's belly dancing. And Serena was also on To Tell the Truth. Oh, was she? I love that show. Yes. And I guess Serena and two other women uh -huh. were not belly dancers, and they had to figure so out. So she did the whole, I'm Serena Wilson. I'm yes, Serena. she did. I <laughs> love that. Is that online? And she was on What's My Line. There's a little portion of it in black and white. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, oh, years ago, it wasn't that. easy to record things. I mean, yeah. now you can have video of everything you do. Yeah. Um, but back then, it's just such a gem when you can find a little piece of black and white footage from something from yeah. Ago. It's so important. So she, I guess I didn't realize exactly how like well known she was, but it seems like I mean she was on all those shows. That's a pretty big deal, right? I feel like almost every belly dancer you meet has a connection to Serena. If they didn't study with her directly, then it's very possible that she studied with somebody who studied with, like in my case, I studied with Layla, who was uh, a protege of Serena. She also, I mean, she wrote books. She had this school that was in the height of its popularity a few years ago, and she brought groups over to Turkey, uh, tour groups. Did you go? I went Did you go? Times. I well, I didn't go with Serena, but you know, when Scott and I got married in 2003, of course we went to Istanbul on our honeymoon. In fact, that's where we got this costume, this oh, red, white, and yes, blue sparkle costume. Remember, yeah. So there's a really, really fun costume. It looks like the American flag. <laughs> it's all sparkly. It's got it's red, white, and blue with stars and stripes and beaded yeah. fringe on it. And we got that in the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul. It was so funny. It was the man who sold it to us was laughing at it, like, ha, 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 look, it's the American flag on a costume. Everybody knows Americans don't belly dance. And we thought that was such a big joke. So we said, oh, we got to get that. We'll bring it to Serena. Can you tell the story about how um, Scott tricks people? Oh, uh, yeah. In Turkey? Yeah, I was telling Sarah how on our honeymoon, well, three times I went with Scott to Turkey. Okay. And we would go to the Grand Bazaar or go into the music stores. And Scott, who was as un-Middle Eastern looking as a person could possibly be, would, would walk in and, you know, with his cameras around the neck and obviously a tourist. 
and ask about the instruments, and he would point to an oud. Now, of course, Scott is famous for being a oud player, so he would point to an oud and say, what's that? And then they would explain to him, oh, it's an instrument, it's called an oud, it has a live string, it looks like a guitar, you know, and they'd, they'd play a little something and hand it to him, and, and he would, ex you know, they'd expect him to maybe pluck a string or two, and he would plug a string or two and sound like he didn't know what he was doing, then all of a sudden go into Bir Demet or Rafi Rafi and start playing it and singing it in Turkish. And they would go wild. And my I job was to that. my job was to hold the video camera <laughs> and tape the reaction to not only the person selling the uh, the instrument but also everybody all around who started clapping and dancing along. But in 2000, I became a little bit popular in Turkey. I was on TV a number of times. Uh, so I had learned to speak Turkish, and I sang a lot of their popular songs and played it on mood. And I was on national television and news programs as an oddity, an American who's learned some of their language and to sing and play their popular music. Oh, you know something else funny? Do you remember a couple of years ago when you were in Turkey? Um, and you were reporting music, and then just about when you came back to America, uh, President Obama took a trip there, and for some reason they took it as uh, like you're, you you went to him, you made the path for him, and then the headline in the Hurriyet, the Turkish newspaper, was like something in Turkish that translates to American musician Scott Wilson paves the way for President Obama to visit uh, Turkey. That is awesome. I hope you have that. We have a copy of that. Yeah. Okay, good. I didn't know what it said. It had his picture on the cover of the newspaper, even after he had returned back from Turkey. He's got it from yeah. Turkey. And we asked one of our friends to translate it because we saw Obama's name on it. Yeah. And it translated to American awesome. musician Scott Wilson yeah. paves the way cool. for American President Obama to come to yeah. Turkey. <laughs> but years later, we went there and people would come up to me and say, oh, I saw you on TV last night. So I. Wasn't on TV. It turned out to be reruns. That is really funny. Playing reruns yeah. of wow. the original sure. show. You're famous right. in Turkey. That's right. right. <laughs> People recognize him, the American yeah. uh, wood player. That's so funny. Can you talk a little bit about like trips with your mom to Turkey and uh, like just what it like what it was like to play with her? I played with her a lot here in the United States. We did a lot of shows together. Serena. And her school never did anything like stag parties, no all-men parties. It was often uh, cultural events, uh, weddings. Uh, Half less too. The only time I went to a stag party with a belly dancer was an anesthetist. Was it what? Anesthetist. They're all 80-year-old doctors who were anesthesiologists. Oh, okay. And, uh, and we, I, the dancer and I who did that show felt it was pretty safe, and it was. It was in a public space, yeah. and they were almost comatose. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Serena went along on a lot of gigs where she hired a dancer to go play, to go um, dance at an event if Scott wasn't accompanying them and it was just a dancer doing a show. If it was not in a, a restaurant that was very public, Serena would accompany them. My father played the drum, the dubek. Yeah. And yeah. I played oud. My mother would perform. We were part of a, a show called 90 Minutes Around the World, run by International House. 
So we traveled around quite a bit doing that too. So I'm wondering, like, more uh, what your feelings were about playing as a family, and like, it seems so special to me. I guess I'm just wondering how, like, how that impacted you. And well, we family bickering would go on. <laughs> But we were fortunate that we went to uh, Greece in 1973, the three of us. My mother's going to teach dance, and I was going to play for her, and my father played the drum. It was one of the greatest summers of my life. And we spent about three months in Greece at the school set up for American tourists who go there, not only to see Greece, but learn from different aspects. So she taught... Um, belly dancing I played for her and I rode around on a motorcycle all day long. That's really cool. <laughs> when you were growing up, didn't you used to idolize the players you used to play for her? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, when I was 12, 13, which is a miserable age for boys, yeah. I said, too old for toys and too young for girls. Right, right. My mother had these little players who were like 18, 19 years old back then. Do you remember any of their names? Oh, Were yeah. they famous? I have a picture of one there. The guy with the bow tie? Yeah. And he was something else. He really uh, That was Bob Zaki. Bob Zaki, yeah. He's Armenian. A lot of lute players were Armenian. Yeah. Because there was migrations from the 1930s and 40s. Uh, Escaping Europe, who brought their instruments here, yeah. and lived here. Yeah, cool. And from World War One too. Right, that's like the main Armenian influx. <laughs> I think in uh, Ellis Island, there's an oud hanging there. That was, Is there really? It was confiscated from somebody How <laughs> who was funny. probably up to new, m mischief. Or <laughs> <laughs> that is too funny. Suppose with the oud before you were really playing with your mother. Oh yeah, I could barely play, and I was running around playing all over the place. So I spent more time posing in front of the mirror. <laughs> And I went into music to meet girls, basically. And then I later on, I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> Don't belly dance with that too. Well, John Lennon said this. John Lennon said the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, if John Lennon said it. Yeah, but John Lennon's mother didn't have a belly dancing studio. Belly dancers all <laughs> He did all right for himself. He did, I'm sure. Um, Lenny, last time I was here, you were talking about uh, one of Serena's favorite dances. Was the doll? Was it a doll dance? Oh, well, yes. So she created a dance. Yes, that one. The Cooch dance, and it's about a carnival doll that comes to life. And this is one of the things she's she's very good for. So she's in a like in a what would you call that a box? Like an enclosure, and she's uh, frozen. And then the music starts to come on, and she's calliope music. Little by little, she starts to come to life, and she really starts to dance and have fun and enjoy herself. And then the music starts to get slower and slower, and then she gets slower. And the music stops, and then she uh, goes back into her uh, display, and is no longer a live dancer, but a doll once again. And that was one of her favorite. Uh, pieces to perform, right? Did you say that or no? Did I make that up? I don't know if it was her favorite. It's something that wasn't uh, explicitly a cabaret belly dance show. Okay. It, it was really um, a special and 
there were several times in her life when she performed it. So we have pictures here in the, in the museum of when she was younger, and then again when she was in her 70s doing the dance, and the actual costumes she wore in it. But one thing that she did win the Ruth St. Dennis Award for was the, uh, the choreography to Sisters. So Sisters is a dance done without music, just with Zill playing. So two of her uh, protégés did sort of a conversation in Zills, and it was a little bit of dance and just a lot of music of the facial expression and fingers while they were Zilling, sort of telling the story about sisters who get into an argument and then make up, all done without any talking, and with minimal dancing mostly. So yeah, that was something that she also recreated over the years with different different protégés in different eras. Yeah. Do you think she had a favorite like, song to dance to? She used to, when she would enter herself, you mean she used to have you play Guinea Girl. Or the Ha Ha song. The Ha Ha song. What's the Ha Ha? It's an Armenian song. It is? I know Guinea Girl, but I don't know the Ha Ha song. She liked upbeat songs. She liked upbeat entrance songs, and she liked to play Brazils and really just come on in with energy and get the audience excited. Did she have a favorite um, memory of dancing that she would talk about, or oh, she had so many? That's it. There. That one. That one. Yes. She always w wanted to be accepted as an artist connected with the ethnic world and the feeling always was well if you're not Middle Eastern you can't belly dance and this this group behind her came and visited New York and um, they they're, they play they're called the Ulet Nail I believe and they played a very primitive but very authentic type music and they wanted her to dance she had a lot of really good stories though about how um, there's the one she likes to tell about when she tried to change her name. You, you correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but she, she, okay. So she used to say this all the time. She loved to tell people the story about how when she first started dancing, and she, she went into a nightclub and she said her name was Serena, and was the musician, the head musician, was it that said to her, "Oh well, you need to pick a more Middle Eastern sounding name," and he said, "I think you should call yourself Fasulia," and she said, "Fasulia," and he said, "Yes, it means." beautiful princess dancing in the night and she said okay I'll make that my name so say so she was coming back to do the performance later that evening and the manager said okay I'll, I'll introduce you what do you call yourself and she said Fasulia and then he got hysterical after yeah and she asked him why and he says Fasulia that means beans yeah. <laughs> beans with meat on it so after that she was just Serena and that's who she always was that just Serena so funny. and she still liked to tell the story about you know Serena <laughs> that's so neat Oh, I think a lot of stuff that happened like that over her career. Another highlight was that we got to perform many times on cruise ships in the late 70s and early 80s. It was the Italian line, and uh, it was a real wonderful experience. I got so jaded after a while, I didn't even get off the boat, and I landed in some of the islands, and mixed drinks were, because um, they were duty-free, they were like 25 cents for a pina coladas, so I certainly am imbibed. Yeah. Uh, Serena was famous, one of the things we were very famous for was dancing with hand candles, 
doing beautiful motions, you know, around her head with them. Uh, and one time she was doing a show and she did a back bend, and her hair, her fall, got caught in the uh, in the flames. Oh my God. Um, but the fire marshal was in the audience that night, and he came and he put her out. Uh, but then it happened the second time in that performance too, right? So he had to come again and put out her hair because get, kept getting caught in the flames, and then she just my number was here. She didn't do that anymore. That show, she stopped the candles for that show. Then another show she did. She came dancing out. And she had a bra stuck to her back end. A bra? Yeah, her regular bra. Not her dance bra. That's hilarious. How did she get out of that? I don't know. It was was somebody must have run over. You went to school with glue traps stuck to you. Oh, that's another story. Yeah, I think, you know, (laughs) things like like that happen all the time. (laughs) No, I just think like that happen all the time. You get home and you don't realize... Or you, as a dancer, you know you change and you realize you're still wearing stuff. You know, like sometimes dancers perform, they forget to take their glasses off. So I guess a bra on your shoe is just sort of common and happens. Um, oh, and there's the time when she broke the Guinness Book of World Records for dancing nine hours straight. Wow. Yeah, somebody had a rug shot and, and a display, and so she danced on their rug for nine hours. That is Yeah, there's a picture in the book can show you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. She was in the store window dancing on the on yeah. Maybe just a few bathroom breaks and food We did a lot of uh, rich people's homes, and some of the themes they bring in uh, animals, like llamas like, and stuff wow. like that. And, that was always very strange. Yeah. These things would be chewing on furniture and pooping all over the place. And oh, fantasy and reality. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> they had a camel and an elephant come out on their lawn, and they thought, because to make it a Middle Eastern thing, you have camels yeah. and elephants and belly dancers and live music. That is too so, funny. Uh, I think a lot of belly dancing revolves around an Orientalist fantasy, and yes. as we know, fantasies and reality are not the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, do you guys have any more um, like funny stories to tell, or should we talk about how the museum came about? I'm sure more will come to us. <laughs> if you think of them. But tell me um, how you put this together. Well, Serena had so many beautiful pieces just in her apartment, just things that she collected over the years from her trips to Turkey and Egypt and Morocco and, and her trips to the flea markets. She loved going to the flea markets. So there are paintings and sculptures and tribal jewelry and record albums, uh, some of which have her, color, her um, picture on the cover. And she always wanted to have people to come over to her apartment and see everything, but there was just so much stuff she could never really set it up. So. When she passed away nine years ago, we started thinking about what would be a good way to honor her, how can we keep her memory going. And it didn't seem as pressing at the time because the studio was still going, the dance studio was you know, still making lots of money, people were still coming for classes. And we started to realize about a year ago, people who were coming for classes at Serena Studios didn't even know who Serena was anymore because she'd been gone for so long. Didn't even know that she was a real person. They sort of think of her as a character. Like when you go to McDonald's, you don't ask to see McDonald's. Right. You know, it's just a name. And we didn't want it to be like that. We wanted to make sure people understood there was a Serena and she was an important person and she was a trendsetter um, in belly dancing. 
And uh, over the summer, we started to think about getting together some of her items and trying to put them in a museum. So we contacted various museums, including the gallery at FIT, because Serena got her, um, her degree in fashion from FIT. We really couldn't get anybody who was interested in having a showing. So then my husband said, you know, we can rent a place and just do it ourselves. So we got a bunch of her things, Scott dusted them off, um, and we put them in a box and hired a, a truck, a moving truck, and brought them here to the showplace galleries. Um, we rented this space and then spent a couple of days decorating, putting all the tapestries on the wall, and deciding which pieces should go next to which pieces, and also just deciding which ones we should take because there's still more things that aren't even in the exhibit. Mm -hmm. But Scott really wanted to give a flavor to the different things she had. So we've got the jewelry, we've got the art, we've got pictures of Serena, books written by Serena, album covers with her pictures, album covers with pictures of people from her era, and then scrapbooks full of photos, one of just Serena and all the great things she did and photos of her and articles about her, and then another scrapbook that's just got great pictures of cabaret-style belly dancing um, through the ages. So you can look at the pictures and see how the women are dressed and get an idea from the hairdos and the costumes, whether it's the 50s or mm -hmm. 60s or 70s or 80s. Um, another reason for the museum is there's been a trend to move away from cabaret-style belly dancing, and a lot of new people who are getting into the dance are going into tribal style or fusions, and Serena was a, a cabaret purist, and we wanted to make sure that people know what costumes looked like 20 years ago, 10 years ago, what beaded friends looks like, mm -hmm. and the glamour and the glitz that goes with the cabaret-style belly dancing. So we thought it was really important to put it out there so people can see the cabaret style of belly dancing, which is a very important part of belly dance history. Yeah. You guys did a fantastic job. Thank, you. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, my final question. What do each of you think was um, the reason that she felt so connected to belly dance and the reason that it was, I guess, so special to her? Well, belly dancing is, and the art and the whole illusion of the Middle East is, is special to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So, uh, probably because of the clubs in New York and seeing and hearing the music, and even though people don't speak the language, the music is just sticks in, in your head. Mm -hmm. uh, so, it's a combination of all those things. One thing I would say, of course, Scott has known Serena a lot longer than I have, but the femininity in cabaret and belly dancing, um, even if you don't agree with women putting on makeup and being glitzy and glamorous and dancing for an audience, even if you think that's kind of old-fashioned, um, the femininity and the beauty of it was very important to Serena and is still very important to people who do cabaret dancing now. I think a lot of people like to put on a flouncy skirt and lots of uh, Swarovski crystal and sparkly eyes and maybe a hairpiece and dress up. I think maybe, you know, from the time we're little girls, we like to dress up. Certainly in my era, I was born in the 60s and back then that's what little girls did. And I think there's a part of everybody that likes to play dress up. But I think another really important thing about Serena is she wasn't just a belly dancer, she shaped belly dancing. So really is who she was. She was a person who was so important in the history of belly dancing, mm -hmm. she couldn't help the fact that she she basically helped to create 
and promote Cabernet Melly dancing. So even though there were times, especially when she was number seven, that she said, oh, I'm just going to go up to Woodstock this summer and not do any dancing, and I don't want to even be a part of it anymore. I don't think I'll do a show for a while. But she couldn't divorce herself from it because everybody knew who she was. And so it was just always going to be a part of her life, whether she wanted to or not. Yeah. She sounds like an amazing person. I wish I could have met her. Can I just tell you something funny about the yeah. first time I met her? Absolutely. So I heard all about Serena from my teacher, Layla Mary. Mm -hmm. And I'd seen pictures of Serena, and she was always so glamorous and beautiful, costume and beaded fringe, and canes in her hand, and you know, the, the glitter canes, and lots of lipstick, and just that beautiful, flirty face. And the first time I met her, I was already dating her son. What am I going to say to her when I meet her? I'm so nervous. Um, Scott and I rode in the bus up to Woodstock to meet her at her summer home in Woodstock. And I was walking up the hill, and at the top of the hill is going to be Serena. Should I shake her hand? Should I put on more lipstick? What should I do? So I got to the top of the hill. She was wearing beat-up, dirty jeans with holes in the knees. She was wearing um, a patchwork top. Her hair was a mess, she had no makeup on, and she was holding an armful of guinea pigs. And that was my first vision of Serena. And once I said that, I'm like, it's going to be fine. Yeah. I know the real Serena now, so I know it's going to be fine. But even also, uh, Lenny is the daughter Serena never had. So I brought Lenny up there, and the two of them vanished. And Lenny was trying to call me on her cell phone to help rescue me. Serena's dressing me up in all this belly dance stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. and I had to come rescue you. Yeah, because I said to Scott, you know, make sure your mother knows I'm just a belly dance student. I'm not like a real dancer. I'm just a student. I'm a kindergarten teacher. I'm, just, I'm, not, you know, I'm not like that. I'm not glamorous. You know. I'm just a teacher. So the next thing I know, she's got me in her bedroom. She's wrapping things on me, draping things on me, funny. putting zills on my fingers, dressing me all up. So, so much for the, um, I'm just a kindergarten yeah, teacher. Yeah. You know, once she knew that I was uh, a student of Layla Mary's, who was her protege, yeah. and in her mind, I was already a belly dancer. But also, just so you know, um, when Scott and I were first married back in 2003, even by that time, there were so many hundreds of belly dancers in New York already. But I realized that if I didn't want to be alone every Saturday night, I was going to have to take up an instrument so that I could be in the band with him. So I learned uh, from his drummer at the time, Rocky, how to play the Dubek, or Darbuka, okay. the Middle Eastern drum, so I could travel along and do gigs with him, which turned out to be a really good idea because there were hundreds of belly dancers, but only about a dozen drummers. So yeah. I, I was able to get on the way. Last night, yeah, we played last night. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the uh, New Life Expo. Yeah, with yes. for, uh, Jihan. Jihan and her dancers yeah, from Billy Dance America. We played for them. Well, I need drum, but I played the That's so funny. You have to be versatile. Yeah. <laughs> because if there are a lot of belly dancers, so you learn how to play the drum or do something yeah. else, you can be just a part of the world, part of the belly dance world. Yeah. Very cool, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, can you also uh, say where the studio is now? Um, so the, the Serena technique is now being taught out of Belly Dance America and also out of Champion Studios. But if you go to our website, which is serenastudiosonline.com, you can see the whole schedule and which classes are being taught when and by what teacher. Okay. And I'm scottwilsonmusician.com. Perfect. Do you have a, anything? You well, you can just come visit us here at the Serena Belly Dance Museum. 
because we'll be here through December. So it's at um, 40 West 25th Street in Manhattan, and we're downstairs on the lower level. Right gallery, near the cafe. Right near the cafe, Gallery 110. And if you come here, we can show you all these beautiful things that we're talking about, play a little music for you, you can throw on a hip scarf if the spirit moves you, we'll show you some of the Serena technique if you don't already know it, and if you do already know it, you can just uh, come here with your friends and have some fun and reminisce with us about Serena Wilson, who is arguably one of the most famous people in the world of cabaret building dancing, and also my mother-in-law. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys Thank so you. much. This was great. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the first Belly Blog podcast. And a special thank you to Scott and Lenny, who were so accommodating and kind and shared so much. You can read more about Serena on the Serena Studio website, serenastudiosonline.com, or on my blog, thebellyblog.com. I will be posting photos, music, and additional information. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at The Belly Blog and like my page on Facebook, facebook.com slash, you guessed it, The Belly Blog. I hope you'll join me next time when I interview the legendary musician, Sudan Baronian. Thanks again for listening to The Belly Blog Podcast.